0: And just like that, another NXT TakeOver is well and truly in the books. In Your House 2021, it came, it saw, and Gary and Cross conquered. But, 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 the big buzzword that was buzzing around the internet after this was not the fact that Gary and Cross was still holding all of his title. No, it was the fact that William Regal said that it was time for change in the land of black and gold. And yes, I know there's been all this buzz about a certain you-know-who potentially popping up in NXT, and if you know, if you've already seen the show, you know what happened happened but that doesn't take away the fact that it was really cool and really awesome so if you don't know buckle up it's a good one so without further ado i am gareth here from what culture wrestling and as always these are the ups and downs for this week's nxt Oh yeah, quickly, just a little up straight away from the fact that we do now have a decent amount of live fans in the CWC. That's been one of my big qualms, you could say, with the whole NXT product in recent memory. The fact that we still had loads of LED screens, it just feels a little bit soulless. We had, for the most part, people all around the ring. It just makes a difference when the chants happen and the noise is made. It makes feel good inside. But like I just said, William Regal did say at the end of TakeOver that there needed to be some kind of change in the land of NXT going forward. So he came straight into the middle of the ring and he had no music and it was all just a little bit unsettling. He then proceeded to talk about the fact that he's been a part of NXT since the very beginning. He's seen it go all over the world. He's even seen it go all the way back to Blackpool, which is where he's from, which brought a tear to his eye. But he seemed to be signing off this entire thing by just saying that he doesn't think he's the man to take NXT forward anymore. He thinks the bedlam, the chaos is too much for him. So he looked like he was going to hang up his GM hat, but then Mr. Cross popped up to just ruin the day. He quickly called Regal pathetic and started saying that all this chaos that he swirled up in NXT over the last couple of months is the kind of place that he thrives in, and he knew it was only a matter of time before this would drive Regal out the door. He then started berating him, just saying, leave, go on, get out my ring, leave the job, leave NXT, and then that's when it happened. Mr. Samoa Joe, oh yeah, the boy's back. He popped up, he walked down to the ring, and the sound of Joe, 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 Joe was just ringing around my room but it was also ringing around the cwc as well regal then asked joe if he wanted to be the new gm of nxt and he said uh no no not really it doesn't look like the kind of job that i'd be able to do right now but that wasn't just the way he left things because that would have been really funny if he just walked off and went nah i'm all right nope instead samoa joe offered his services as somewhat of an enforcer but regal had two conditions the first being that he could not compete as a wrestler in the ring if that was what he wanted to do going forward and the second one being that he couldn't touch or put his hands on anyone Unless he was provoked. He's going to get provoked, isn't he? This was all great. It's getting one big up, obviously, straight from the get-go, but it gets even better. It just gets better as the night goes on. Buckle up, it's great stuff. The Grizzled Young Veterans then had a promo backstage, and they were talking about the fact that Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, they disrespected them at In Your House with their promo that they were doing to set up the big Tornado tag team match, which is going to go on later in the night. But they said they're used to that. they used to being disrespected. They've been disrespected their entire lives, but tonight, they're going to whoop some ass. But before we could get to that tag team action, we had another form of tag team competition, because Imperium were taking on brizango in a tag team encounter, I've already said that, but there's a lot of tag team stuff going on tonight, so I'm going to keep saying tag team until my tag team tongue falls off. Overall though, the match was pretty fun, so obviously it's going to get an up, but the key underlining factor in all this was the fact that Walter, Imperium's boss, leader, guy at the top, person from across the pond, he was saying that he just wants Imperium to rid NXT of all the fun and all the jokes and all the fools that are going around the place, so... It's not a bad place to start with Brizango. But the former NXT Tag Team Champions are no pushovers and after being chopped to pieces and booted in the face, seriously some of the stuff that Marcel Barthel was doing in this match was pretty brutal. After all this, Fandango flew himself over the top rope, landed on top of them and I thought oh boy oh boy I think my boys Brizango are gonna do good. But saying that, when we returned after the break, Imperium were in full control of the match and I suddenly had this dread I thought no they're gonna make an example out of Brizango. we don't want that, they love fun, I love fun. but that. ...kind of didn't happen in the match itself... ...because after this insanely hot tag from Tyler Breeze... ...he like he was going to come at everybody like a ball of fire... ...he nearly had his head taken off by Fabian Aitner... ...and I was like, oh no, it's going to happen... ...but then he rolled up Aitner and suddenly Breeze angle won... ...and I was like, oh, okay, that's where we're going... ...but that was not where Imperium wanted to go, obviously... ...so then they proceeded to finally make said example out of Tyler Breeze... ...they dropped him with a Eurobomb... ...and then placed a big Imperium banner over the top of him... ...and I suppose that's, that's the example that they wanted to set. They're going to they're gonna clean up NXT by putting banners on things. Yeah. Jump to backstage. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole were fighting. Again, backstage. And Regal's like, no, stop fighting. Um, if you don't stop fighting, I'm going to give you a match. So I'm going to give you a match. It's going to be at the Great American Bash. It's going to be a one-on-one match, even though you've already had an unsanctioned match. This is all a bit weird. It's going to get down. Now, I'm not saying that I don't want to see this match because I do want to see this match. It's going to be great. They're just going to absolutely tear the house down because that's just what they do. But it feels like a kind of Randy Orton, Edge 2020 feud backwards step. You've had the really hardcore insane match. Now we're just going to have the the one-on-one wrestling match. Don't make a lot of sense. But that's all fine because Samoa Joe just suddenly arrived and put out all the fires by choking Adam Cole to death. Santos Escobar backstage looking down the lens soon said that Bronson Reed, what he did to him at TakeOver In Your House was not cool. He was looking at his title belt. Then he got Smashed through a barricade, but that's not going to happen again because they're going to have a one on one match. And he's going to make sure that that's not going to happen, which Judging from his last two kind of interactions with him, don't really trust his word. And Kushida's open challenge was next on the horizon for us in NXT, and of course it's going to get up, because Kushida's brilliant, and this week the guy that he was facing was also pretty brilliant too. And if you're wondering who that person was, it was Trey Baxter, who if you don't know, and you should kind of know from the independent scene, his name was Blake Christian beforehand, but he's obviously been shifted since signing up with WWE, he's now Trey Baxter, and my goodness, can this boy fly. And you could sense very early on that Kushida, in the little time they had, to prepare for the match had done a bit of homework on his man because he just tried to ground him, really. Just keep him on the floor, just tight his legs up, but that didn't work. He hit him with, like, a standing Spanish fly, a twisting dive over the top rope, and a springboard 450 splash that looked like it nearly killed him. But in the end, the cruiserweight champion just had a little bit too much for our boy Trey Baxter because when they were on the top rope, he went for one of those hoverboard lock things and then slammed him to the floor on top of his arm, hooked in another hoverboard lock, and that was just too much for Trey Baxter. Quickly, he tapped out. He was like, no, I'm going to save my arm for another day, but throughout all of this, Kyle Riley suddenly arrived on the stage and he was doing a bit of scouting. Because, I may mean, not mention this earlier on in the night, but William Regal had said to both Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole that they could pick their opponents for next week. So Kyle Riley was thinking, huh, I'm going to pick a really strong opponent because... Well, I don't know, really, because that seems like a bit of a dumb thing to do, to face somebody as lethal and threatening as Kushida just before you're going to fight Adam Cole. You'd you'd think you'd pick somebody just like a goober, just somebody sat in the audience. I'll have him, I'll fight him, he looks pretty easy. Frankie Monet had a huge announcement backstage shortly after, and it was the fact that she's going to have a big old encore from a world premiere that happened a couple of weeks ago. So, in other words, she's going to have another match. But in my opinion, the biggest takeaway coming out of this little old segment was the fact that Frankie Monet soon walked away and started talking to Aaliyah and Jessica Mayer about the fact that, obviously, they lost their TakeOver In Your House match, the dark match, pre-show match, whatever you want to call it, they lost that, and she says it was because of Robert Stone. Robert Stone then popped up on the scene, he walked out, he was like, oh, hey, how we doing, guys, how are we doing? She was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Like, if you two girls listen to Robert Stone more, you'll win more matches, which was a direct contradiction to what she just said. But judging from Jessica Mayer and Aaliyah's faces after all this weird kind of contradiction, it seems as though those two are thinking about their futures and maybe, maybe spitting from the Robert Stone brand. And if you ask me, put him with Frankie Monet, have that be a faction moving forward. The Robert Stone brand was dead about six months ago. We saw Mercedes Martinez then watching back her in-your-house defeat to Zaya Lee and all of Tian Sha, which she got absolutely brutalized in the end. And she said she's not finished with Boa, she's not really finished with Xia Lee because they just won a piece, and she's not finished with Mei Ying, so... Spoiler alert, newsflash, I don't think she's finished with Tian Sha. And it was then time for LA Knight's coronation, where he was finally going to officially become the million-dollar champion. But first, Ted DiBiase came down to the ring and he introduced LA Knight and then put this big highlight package up in the CWC, which is pretty much just showing why LA Knight deserved to carry on this legacy of million-dollar championship holding. And the fact that obviously he won the match at TakeOver, that was all a thing. And then, of course, LA Knight rocked up with a cigar in his mouth, looking every bit the cocky brick. But then he shifted things ever so slightly, because once he got in the ring, he started talking to Ted DiBiase and you know, all the people in the CWC, and he was saying, no, I just want to bring it down. I want to bring it down a little bit. I'm not going to be all swaggering and all that. No, 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 I'm not going to do that anymore. What I'm going to do is just be honest. I'm just going to say to you, Ted DiBiase, that you are a big fixture in my life. This is the greatest moment in my life when it comes to wrestling. I'm just so honoured. I'm pinching myself. I cannot believe I'm stood here right now. about to receive the Million Dollar Championship. And if you thought all this was just absolute BS from the minute it fell out of LA Night mouth, well, you and everyone inside of the CWC was pretty much right. Because nobody was buying it, everyone was just shouting out for Cameron Grimes all the way through it, and then inevitably, LA Knight just turned around and socked Ted DiBiase in the face, started beating him up, but not for long, because the boy, the man of the hour himself, Grimes, he popped up, everyone's like, to the moon, to the moon, he fought off LA Knight, he saved Ted DiBiase, and that is where we're going forward with this, but I'm not being funny, since TakeOver, and on this show as well, it just feels like Grimes is the most other person in NXT right now have him see off LA Knight he doesn't even need to win the belt just have him do that and then send him after carrying Cross. can you just imagine the reactions all this though it ticked all the boxes it needed to do it was a bit unexpected really at the end of the day and it's all gonna get obviously a big old up Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez your NXT Women's Champion still because she obviously defended that belt against Emma Moon In Your House they were backstage having an interview and Mackenzie Mitchell asked well why are you having this match so soon after defending your belt and Raquel Gonzalez just said well my other shoulder's a bit lonely I'd like two belts and Dakota wants one too. So what they want is the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships and they're going to stop at nothing to get them. They're going to run through Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro later in the night. But not before Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart tried to intercept them and Samoa Joe was just stood in the back like, I made a terrible decision here. This is just chaotic. This is just a chaotic workplace. We then had that aforementioned Gonzalez and Kai versus Carter and Catanzaro match. And guess what? It's getting an up. We need more. Because obviously we hadn't seen Casey and Caden in a couple of weeks because Casey was nursing a knee injury, she's back, fully on the mend, and these two are just, these are the kind of teams that we need in this division that feel like a well-oiled machine, some of the tag team manoeuvres I saw here were just magnificent, it was like a double kick thing that they did when they just caught Dakota Kai in the middle of the rope, they did like an assisted German suplex moonsault thing, it was just that my mind couldn't keep up, I was dropping jaws, my face was flailing, it was a really good time. But of course, there was always the big old factor of Raquel Gonzalez, who's just an absolute wrecking ball, a powerhouse machine, in this match and she just kept throwing everyone around the place, she just kept ragdolling people, so you were thinking, oh, well, where is this gonna go? What's gonna happen? If Gonzalez is in this match, I cannot see her losing. And that's pretty much the direction we started going in, because Gonzalez got taken out at ringside, she was battered on the floor, and Dakota Kai got double teamed, she got 450 splash neck breakered. Yeah, just do that math in your head and come to the conclusion, and it looks every bit as frightening as it sounds. And in the wake of taking that move, she was there, she was beaten, she was battered on the floor, and it took Gonzalez, breaking up the pin, perhaps a second too late, but we're not going to judge her for that, wrestling's really tough at the end of the day, and then that obviously opened the door for Dakota Kai to hit the go-to kick on Casey Catanzaro, they sealed the deal, Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carr were not able to win on the night, but there's just a little asterisk next to this, because Dakota Kai was beaten, and Raquel Gonzalez had to get involved, obviously, to help her win the match, so there's a little bit of friction there, I thought Casey and Kaden looked really good all the way through this. This is is what I want. I want this to feel like a division where the belts are worth having and people are worth killing themselves to get to them. This felt like every bit the Eliminator it needed to be. The goofiest men in all of NXT were backstage after this talking about how Hit Row destroyed their house at In Your House. So they were like, well, we're going to beat you up later down the line and you know what? We fixed our house and the camera panned down and they definitely not fixed their house so I'm I'm not going to invite them around to my house to do any DIY. We jumped to Io Shirai in the middle of the ring and she was talking about who she was going to face next, or at least she would have done if Candice LeRae didn't come out and interrupt her. And this turned out to be something of a ruse in the end, because Candice LeRae was talking about how Io Shirai has slipped down to the bottom of the pack now, she's nowhere near the top of that title hunt, but that doesn't change the fact that Candice LeRae still doesn't like her very much, and then Indie Hartwell just popped up and attacked her from behind. The way then laid Shirai out on an announce desk, and it looked like Indie Hartwell was going to do that big flying elbow thing that she does, but not before Zoe Stark could pop up once again to save the day because she's apparently the best bud of every single babyface in NXT. And if this means going forward, we do get Shirai and Stark teaming up to take on Hartwell and LeRae at some point in the future for those belts, sign me up. Everybody involved in that match is pretty much amazing. Hartwell's improving every single week. I need this in my life. Hook it to my veins. I don't know why I go Italian again, but it's a good. The strangest thing to happen in NXT happened straight after this because we cut to Mackenzie Mitchell trying to get a hold of Regal and Samoa Joe as they were trying to leave the team. CWC for some reason, midway through the show. And then as Rigo went to say something, we just cut to Samasso Champa and Timothy Thatcher walking backstage, like intervening with MSK and just like stealing popcorn from them, things like that. And it was a bit like, wait, was that was that supposed to happen? It was very odd. Oh yeah, before we get our main event match of the evening, the Diamond Mine is gonna be a thing next week. It's coming, finally! Still not got a clue what it is. But before we could get to the main event, like I just said, we had to step into my office because it was time for William Regal and Samoa Joe to finally speak. But before they could finally speak, Johnny Gargano walked in with Austin Theory and they were like, hey, Joe, 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 Joe. And because I'm an absolute nerd and Mark, you could say, it made me giggle. I just thought it was really funny. So it's going to get, we're going to bring it up. Finally, at long last, the Gargano meter has returned. We're going to give it a 65%. But then shortly after this, Joe just told Johnny to get lost, so Johnny Johnny obliged, because I think he he values his life, yeah. Straight after this, though, Pete Dunne walked into the office, and the pair of them, you could have cut the tension with a knife, Samoa Joe, Pete Dunne, they look like they want to kill each other, and was like, lads, lads stop it. Thankfully they did stop it because we had a big old main event after this. It was the Tornado Tag Team match between Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher and the team of the grizzled young veterans. But before Zach Gibson could do his customary promo pre-match where he just tears into everyone they got jumped. They got battered by Ciampa and Thatcher. They threw him into the corners. They started clotheslining them left, right and centre. It was the kind of chaos that I really wanted to see. And everything just devolved into what Wade Barrett clusters the most painful synchronised swimming ever really because we had synchronised beatings, synchronised submissions from Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher. It was, it was just, it was magnificent. I loved it. Oh, it was great stuff. And despite the fact that we did miss Tommaso Champa getting thrown into the barricade at one point, we did not miss Tommaso Champa throwing James Drake and Zach Gibson into a barricade and knee them in the face and then we rolled straight into the adverts, the picture in picture, and it happened! I want it! Look, this week I'm going to be completely honest. There were that many adverts for pizza. It was like 10,000 adverts for pizza. I counted them. There was specifically 10,000. There were that many. I just, I got to have all the pizza. I want pizza from Papa John's, pizza from Little Italy, pizza from the Pizza Express place. I don't think they had an advert on the show, but there was that much pizza. You know what I want? You know what I need to get fat and I want it. I want it. Honestly, it's really hard to just pick my personal highlights in this match because there was like a chop-off between Tommaso Champer and James Drake on the apron. There was the most vicious doomsday device I've seen in a very long time. It just had everything. It had all the violence that we expect from these two teams and it just delivered, delivered in all the promise. But then just when it looked like Tommaso Ciampa was about to get smashed through the announce desk somehow, he rose from the dead, he hit Zach Gibson with an air raid crash onto the announce desk and it didn't break, which we all know is more painful than it actually breaking. He then rolled into the ring and Timothy Thatcher was stood there waiting and they like sandwiched James Drake with all the slaps. I think the taste, I think the taste fell out of his mouth, went into mine, didn't taste good. An assisted fairy tale ending followed and some weird dual submission thing once again. And your winners from the evening were Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, of course they won this match. I mean, I'm a little bit upset that doing veterans didn't come away with the win because I think they needed it right now just to really catapult them into that match with MSK, but it feels like they're saving that. I feel like they may be saving that for the next takeover in August. That may be on the horizon, but it was great. It was violent. I love violence and if I haven't already given it an up, we're giving it an up. We're not just giving it any old up. We're giving it a yellow highlighter of the week up. I know it was a close one between this and Joe, but this wins it because I like violence. And to sign off the whole evening, William Rieger was finally caught up with once again outside. And he said, what do you think of your first night with Samoa Joe by his side? What do you think of NXT going forward? And Regal said, things are going to be a whole lot different around here. And you know what? I agree with him and I can't bloody wait. So overall, it's very hard to not give this week's show a big old up because it was just great. It just felt like it had this nice little shot in the arm that it was desperately looking for. It got it. I was happy. I was happy with everything that went on. And I'm sure you were too.